Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. Welcome back. This is part two of learning at home and preparing to learn at home. In part one, we talked about mistakes as opportunities and using mistakes as opportunities to learn. And that really is part of a healthy mindset. And it always, uh, I laugh because as I was, as I was drafting the notes for this episode, I thought part of a healthy mindset reminds me of when I was growing up and watching too much TV and the commercials would, the commercials for tricks or honeycomb or whatever it was, would be part of a nutritious breakfast. And so it's kind of the same though, right? It's part of a healthy mindset, using mistakes as opportunities. And I didn't mention this last time, but honestly, if we don't use mistakes as opportunities and we don't let ourselves make mistakes, if we are faced with a choice, A or B, and we choose B and we keep kind of going in this direction and we don't recognize like, oops, that was a mistake uh, or, you know, that was okay for now, but now I need to switch over and, and go over here. It's going to help me um, to, to sort of uh, switch direction and do that as many times as we need to sort of switching directions once we notice and making these small adjustments really i mean i have a friend who was a fighter pilot and she tells me all the time that's that's how you fly you course correct you don't kind of just set it and forget it because you if you do that you're you're way far afield from where you meant to be so you're always like oops you're a little off to the right so adjust left a little all right now you're a little left so adjust right and you keep adjusting and that's the way you go. It's the way you get to where you want to be. And so I just think that's a very healthy, helpful visual for so many things, but certainly for us as parents and certainly as we're entering brave new worlds as parents with learning at home or, you know, whatever flavor of learning at home is going to be happening in, uh, in your household. So, so that's good. Um, and I wanted to, uh, oh, I actually wanted to mention too, I was out for a walk with my husband the other day and, um, you know, this whole time, this uh, spring and summer after quarantine, there've been a lot of lawn signs with, you know, um, congratulations to all the seniors from, you know, Rydell High 2020 or, you know, Rydell Middle School 2020 or whatever it is. And yesterday I saw one, we were out for a walk and we saw one that said, any functioning adult 2020. And it had all these, you know, stars and balloons and um, streamers on it, this sign. It was funny, but it was just kind of a nice reminder that, yeah, we, we've actually been through a lot. And so 
let's recognize that and recognize that we have a lot of capabilities. We can lean into each other. We can lean into the communities that we have around each other and around us and, and still make progress through the unknown and think of it as an adventure as opposed to this dangerous, terrible, like woe is me kind of thing. So for what it's worth, I wanted to share that sign. Um, I think when, when we as humans, um, and actually I guess I should give you the, the title for this part two. Um, part two is all about collaborating, okay? And, and sharing the controls with our kids. And where I was going, was, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast and audio, you can imagine I'm, I'm holding a, a small pencil in front of me with the eraser side up and the eraser is the parent and the point is the child, okay? So a lot of times we get into either or thinking when we're facing something new, we can easily see the two extremes. And so if we're thinking about this whole virtual learning environment, we kind of go like, okay, well, I know what school looked like. I know what it looked like for me. I know what it looked like last year for my kid. I know what a traditional classroom looks like. So that means I have to recreate that at home. And um, that means that um, I need to be the enforcer and I need to be the one who's making sure that everything is happening and they're tuning in at the right time and, and everything else. And I need to sort of take on that role of um, teacher and, and sort of enforcer and sort of being in charge and dictating. And so that's pretty hierarchical, right? Um, if you think about the traditional teacher-student model pretty hierarchical. And so that's one, that's one end of the spectrum. And then if that's like, you know, imagine that this is a pendulum and then it swings all the way and you imagine the other side of the spectrum, which it's easy to imagine both ends, right? And the tip is up now. And so, you know, it could be the extreme is like, you know what, my kid has their schedule, like, they're going to do what they're going to do and this isn't going to last forever and you know i'm going to make all the food and whatever and i'm going to like check in and see what they're doing um you know at the end of the day and and that's kind of you know letting the kid make all of the decisions throughout the entire day um without any discussion so those maybe are the two ends of the spectrum. And what I would like to talk about is the fact that there's a lot of points along this pencil, right? There's a lot of different possibilities along the line of this pencil. And when I'm, I'm holding it horizontally, there's no hierarchy. If we can invite our children, and now it could be the child is four and we're talking about, you know, it used to be preschool. It used to be like, maybe, I don't know, um, Montessori school, or maybe we're talking about a 10th grader or something in between, you know, any of those, any of those points along the age and development spectrum. 
we can invite them into a conversation. And we can, as parents, act in a way that is more of, um, more of a leader, but not a hierarchical dictator, but a, a leader who creates the structure and says, listen, this is the structure and here are the musts, here are my three musts, whatever that conversation is, you can decide what those are. And there are some decisions that you make as a leader. And then within that structure, what are some of the ways that you can involve your kids in the conversation and let them make some decisions and let them have some input. There's lots and lots of ways, actually, if we start really breaking this thing down. Where we want to start, though, is figuring out what our musts are. And those are going to look very, very different household to household. And some of the things that will influence our own musts are the age of our children, um, whether or not we are working at home and whether that, that work is full-time or exceedingly flexible and part-time and whether or not we have any other help and any other adults in the home. Maybe there's a nanny that you have that you are sharing responsibilities with around the children. Maybe there's not, and maybe it's all you. Um, but there's lots of factors that can come into play for what are the musts. And I'm just gonna throw a few things out there. Um, like your start time for the school day could be one of your musts. Okay, guys, I need to be checking in and, and doing my thing at work. And so the, the day, the work day, school day is gonna need to start at 8.30, so then some things that they might have influence around would be, what time do we wanna get up? You know, how often do I wanna make my own breakfast versus do we wanna rotate if there are a couple of kids or, you know, alternate um, with mom and or dad and see who's gonna make breakfast and what does breakfast look like and what's my routine before I get into my schoolwork in my school day and maybe that varies by child and maybe it doesn't. Maybe another must, I know and I'm imagining too, like if my kids were 10 years younger and if I had a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, one of my musts might be that we have some together time, some play time in the middle of the day or in the late morning or whatever the time is, but we have a block of together playtime. And if the weather's nice, maybe it's outside. And if it's not, it's in another designated space in the house. Um, that could be uh, like, and, and must doesn't have to be like unattractive and, oh, I don't want to do that you know, that's not what a must is, but it's like, it's sort of an anchor in your day, like something that you are deciding that is going to help you to create the structure that you need to do what you need to do in your day. Another, um, 
another piece of structure could be, hey, we're all going to be done with what we need to do by X time. And X time could be could be one o'clock if you have really, you know, young kids too, and they are, they're napping or they're resting or whatever it is, or could be um, three o'clock so that, uh, you know, if there's some, some sports practices or whatever it is, you know, but, but here are some of the, the pieces of structure that you can put in place. I would suggest that the minimum number that you need is, is good. And, and three is a great number of those. Like you can't have seven musts. That's like, that's too many. It's just too many. And then, then, you know, depending on what your musts are, then you get to have the, the fun conversations about like, well, what, like, what should the rest of the day look like i mean you, you guys have schoolwork, or you have this or you have that when would you like to get up would you like to take your bath or shower in the morning or in the evening um what time would you like to have breakfast do you want to learn how to make pancakes so you can make pancakes for yourself and or for me and the whole family um where would you like to do your schoolwork? Would you like to set up and everybody sets up at the kitchen table or what, what have you? And that's where it gets done. Or maybe one child likes that and another one likes her own room because she likes things just so. And the different um, types of energy are, are better coexisting in separate spaces. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things that they can have influence and control over and, and come to their own decisions. Um, how long does it make sense to be focused before it's break time or a time for a play break or whatever it is? And how will we keep track of that? I remember when I was in Montessori teaching, they had the, and I know they still have them, these excellent um, manual kind of uh, timers and they were visual, so you, um, they had numbers on there for the adults, so you can set it to 15 minutes, and it would look like there was a lot of, a lot of red when it was 15 minutes, but then as the clock ticked down and it was five minutes, there was only so much red, and so it's a great visual for a child, a young child, to be able to see, oh, I used to have this much time, and now I have this much time, and you know, it's okay. They don't know what a minute is, but they know they have less and they know um, they start to be able to calibrate um, for themselves what it means when there's only a sliver of red. And um, it's, it's an interesting uh, kind of tool to be able to use. Now, all of this is very aligned with Montessori philosophy of creating a structure that is appropriate for the ages of the children, the development level of the children, and then allowing freedom within that structure. And this principle of a lot like sharing control and allowing freedom with structure goes really, really well with the first principle from last time of mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn. Sometimes there might be a mistake that you you know you can highlight and share and discuss 
as a group and as a family. And sometimes you'll notice a mistake that you made, like, oh, I sort of thought that she was able to do that already developmentally, but I see that I actually need to give her more training in how to make toast or whatever it is. But so, you know, a mistake, but it's, it's really just information that you can use to course correct and say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a, a toast making lesson. Do you want jam or butter? And give them some decisions to make, give them some choices so they feel like they're in control. That's always, always a great idea. So, um, so another, another piece that I want to offer is that a lot of times we get very wrapped up in what specifically has to happen and what a specific outcome has to look like. And I know from my days in the Montessori classroom, for sure, that you never knew what it was going to be like. You, the thing that's much more helpful to attach to is the process and the, the structure of that process. This is what the process is for the day and who knows what's going to come you know maybe maybe susie has a meltdown because she doesn't understand subtraction or maybe johnny trips and falls and you know sort of you know all bets are off because we really need to you know um go in a different direction and all huddle around johnny because he uh he actually you know is bleeding and and he needs a little encouragement, whatever, whatever it is, but to attach to the process as opposed to exactly how that it needs to look. And that's just a healthier thing for us too, because when we attach to the process, it can look a lot of different ways. And then we start to see that and be more flexible and not as rigid. And then it's easier for us to stay out of judgment with ourselves, right? Like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get X, Y, Z done. Well, that's okay because guess what? We all had a good day together. Susie learned how to make toast. Everybody got through what they needed to get through, and everybody had a like a, a good level of positive energy or, or just you know, kind of contentment and joy at the end of the day. And what you're doing in that case is you're really preserving your children's love of learning. And you are creating an environment that is very much able to cultivate, either cultivate or preserve, depending on you know, how old your kids are. And, you know, um, like if, if I had to say for my own, right, my own are 15 and 17, I would say cultivate joy of learning because they've been in traditional school for a little while now. And traditional school oftentimes can kind of uh, drain that love of learning out because there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of musts, there's, there's, you know, very little control and they, 
they tend to feel put upon. And so this brave new world is a little bit of an opportunity for you to demonstrate your leadership as a parent to help cultivate an environment that's friendlier to that love of learning. Um, and if your kids are young, if they're super young, um, then they already have it kind of wired in that love of learning. They're, that's how their brains are wired. They are little sponges. And in part three of this series, Learning at Home, I'm going to talk a little bit more to the parents of the young children and um, you know, bring some of my Montessori, um, Montessori experience and knowledge to bear just to offer you some tips about how to create the home environment so it's very friendly for kids to develop their capabilities and to feel very competent and capable um, with very little effort and with very little pulling at your skirt and asking, mom, can you reach this for me? Or mom, can you do this or what have you? So I look forward to part three and until next time, be well. Bye for now. Hey, it's T and I'm so excited to share that Relational Parents is offering a free book club in the month of September. We are reading and meeting every week for some really animated conversations about The Self-Driven Child by William Stixrude and Ned Johnson. It's about the most damaging myths that we as parents buy into and how to break out of them in some of the most challenging areas that we navigate with our kids, like school and like technology and their future. So I think it's really perfect timing for this book club as the school year gets underway. And if you'd like to join us, please register. There are two ways to register, either in the Relational Parents Facebook group which you can join, or if you're already in there, or send an email to support at relationalparents.org. Let us know that you're interested and we will send you the link and we'll get you in there for these conversations. And also you can feel free to invite a friend or two that would be interested. Okay, I'll see you there.